0: Welcome to the Empower Your English Learner podcast, where we explore research, instructional strategies, leadership practices, and community initiatives that move the needle for English learners in school systems around the country. If you are a teacher, a school-based administrator, a district leader, or anyone who wants to do more for this group of students, then we are your home. In these episodes, we will explore ways to actively engage English learners in learning in the classroom, how to empower them so that they can achieve at higher levels, and how to ensure that they're more engaged and connected in the school community. We look forward to going through some ideas with you in our upcoming episodes. My name is Sandra Bloatner, a 26th veteran in the field of public education, and I I have the pleasure of being here with you today to talk about how we can improve learning outcomes and engagement for our English language learners. Over the last several episodes, we've been talking about that your role as a leader. And I know if you are a school or district leader, you really want to make sure that this group of students are actively engaged, that this group of students are learning at the highest levels, because that's the only way that you're able to shift learning outcomes for this group. And so um, over the last several episodes, we talked about doing a root cause analysis, engaging multiple stakeholders. We also talked about collaboration and the power of collaboration when there are multiple heads working together across the system to really address the needs of this group and really the importance of being that systems thinker and a change champion. In the last two episodes, we talked a little bit about what's most current and urgent for many of our educators today, which is what's happening in this remote learning setting. right? So we talked about the transformation of where we, how we went from brick and mortar to remote learning. That was one episode and then the most recent episode was what were the those instructional practices that work. So before we move back to talking about the collaboration of the work group that we've been talking about in previous episodes, I did wanna highlight one other thing for you to think about as it relates to supporting English learners in this setting, right? So we know that our English language learners really need those additional supports. We know that of all of those different groups of students, one of the most challenged with engagement as well as learning have been our English language learners. So that being said, I wanted to kind of highlight for you some of the other aspects of what are this group of students need, right? So we talked about the shift, we talked about instruction, and now I'd like to talk a little bit about with you, um, what is it, what are some of those social emotional things? What are some of those social supports that are needed to really help students? So I was just reading an article um, just recently about one teacher who had his older English learners write you know a letter to like if they were writing to the president about what their needs are and one of the students i mean when i read the letter it touched my heart because it reminded me of so many of our older english learner english language learners that are not just in the district where i've worked but in just districts around the country and the student talks about the fact that you know I worry about my parents who are undocumented. The child was born in the US, but the parents weren't. So at any point, la migra could um, pick up the parents and send them home. And then the child will be without any um, family here, right? So that's the worry that the child talked about. And how can I make sure that I'm not separated from my family? Um, but I also, um, what was compelling about the article was was it also spoke to a reality that for many of our older English language learners, some of them are working right now because of the pandemic, because of things that have happened, because of parents losing jobs. Some of them have been tasked to go out and get jobs. And in some ways, there are two roles that they may take on. One is breadwinner, where they have to be going out and working outside of the home to help pay the bills with families. You know, So that's a big one. And sometimes they're working outside the home might be during the day um, like this one student was talking about and as a result she was stepping outside of her work just to take her language class so she could learn English but then she had to after the class go back in and work right so that's a reality for some of our students. The other one which is another um, reality check for us is there's The other aspect that some of our English learners might actually be taking care of siblings. And so if they're taking care of siblings, if they're the primary either caregiver or they're the ones monitoring that the younger, Children in the house are actually engaging in instruction. That's another real issue that's happening for some of our older English learners, where they're kind of being in a way the surrogate parents for the younger kids in the house to make sure that they're going to school. And so that's one thing that as we begin to think about shifting back into in person right so we're thinking we've got some kids that are deciding to stay virtual the whole time we have other kids that we know are going to go to in person that's going to be a very real consideration for how do we make sure that those supports are in place and what happens if for instance the younger kids stay home and some of the older kids go back and and what is that going to look like how is that monitoring going to happen because some of the parents are working so I wanted to kind of share with you some of the things that, at least one of the things that we did that I found was really helpful. Um, and again, this is working with a community group um, that focuses on supporting the needs of our Latino families. And I'll talk a little bit about that group and, and its inception later on in a future episode. But just to give you the context as it relates to remote learning, this group said, you know what, we really want to work with the communications department with in the district and we want to come up with a plan so that we're able to address the needs of this population in the district where i've worked there are mostly spanish-speaking students about 70 percent are spanish-speaking so that being said they decided to kind of focus in since their focus is on latino students on meeting the needs of those families and doing a program in spanish to address some of those uh, supports and resources that are available to families So let me just share with you, and again, this, and I remember I talked about that importance of collaboration. So this was absolutely a collaborative effort between the community, between the district leaders and between the communications office, right? And planned it together. So the goal of it was provide a virtual collaborative community discussion about what supports are available and for our Latino families, right? So that was big. We decided because of the nature of the program to record the session and then air it at a time when families could be able to see it and then be able to access the information. We decided that because this this way we were addressing the pandemic and vaccines and various things that we really needed to engage more than school system employees. So we also reached out to the parent-teacher association so that we could partner with them. We reached out to the county government so we could partner with them and make sure that there were certain relevant information, like for instance, COVID vaccines and testing locations and those sorts of things available to families. Um, and then we had some community members. We made sure that they were all bilingual and fully fluent in Spanish. And we also made sure we had school representatives in the program as well. So at least someone who was a principal or assistant principal was there and part of the conversation. The theme of it was sharing information about academic and health and community supports for families. So we looked at including things such as what are those ways that students can be tutored? Um, In some districts, I know that you have something like an after school program or a Saturday school. So that is one we had actually a Saturday school. And so that was one way to kind of share some information. But there were also um, some sites that were set up f- um, from a childcare perspective where families could send their kids and they could be able to have an adult in, the, in that um, facility while um, they had the students doing virtual learning. So those settings, those learning centers had already been available in the district for over 400 students. So even those students were in a virtual setting, there were some students that were accessing that. We also wanted to make sure we shared things such as rental assistance, like how would they access that? Um, Assistance for getting food, because that was a real issue for some of our families who weren't working. Um, Assistance with employment, that was another issue for some of our families. And any grants or monies that they could access if they were unemployed. We also wanted to make sure we address things like testing, Um, so how to get the vaccine for free, testing sites, what do they look like, and then we also wanted them to be aware of counseling and parent outreach supports. So all in all, when we thought about this collaboration, some of the guiding questions for us is what are the needs that have surfaced for Latino students and families? What academic supports and resources are available to students and families? What health and other supports are available to um, students and families, and what community supports and resources are available to students and families. So that was kind of the big picture. And then we worked with the communications team to plan out what the rundown schedule was going to look like for that one-hour program that we would provide. And we had about five to six people with a moderator working with us. We were able to get a board member, a bilingual board member involved. We were able to get a bilingual county member member also to kind of introduce the show. So just show that level of importance for families. And we thought that was really, really important. Some of the um, resources that we shared on the program included things like food assistance and what are some of the organizations that are providing care ministries. Um, What are those places where they can go and making sure that the sites that we shared with them were all bilingual so they were able to get the access to information in their first language and that was also very helpful. Um, And the program was a huge success. We know that some of our our, um, parents, to make sure that we were able to get it out, we pushed it out through social media. We made sure that we broadcast it on um, on a YouTube channel, as well as on the Facebook site. And that way, families were able to access it. And because it was recorded, it's just one of those things that could be done again and again. Now, I know this was a lot of information. And If you were to take on something like this in your district, and I would say district because I would envision that if you did it at the school level, there is a way that you could do it where you organize bilingual folks and you talk specifically about what's available in your school. But when We um, were thinking about this. We thought about it in the broad district level so that it could be able to be addressed to a variety of schools. So it would take laying out that plan of what it is that the vision that you had for the program, what it is you're trying to accomplish, making sure that the presentation that goes along with the folks who are sharing information is fully bilingual, and then for us, since this focus was really addressing the needs of Latino families, we wanted to make sure that that the program was entirely in Spanish. Um, another thing that you might think about, especially depending on the language in your district, you might do another similar program in French. You might do it in Chinese. You might do it in Vietnamese. You might do it in Tagalog. You might do it in Amharic, right? You might do it in Tigrinya. You might do it in a variety of other languages, depending on the number of language speakers in your area. One thing that we've always tried to do, and this is kind of like guidelines from the US Department of Education as well, as well as um, looking at what the state um, recommends, is that you think about your top five languages, and you think about how you might coordinate the work to make sure you can address that for those students that need supports in those top languages. In our case, we had over 70% of our kids being Spanish-speaking, so we we actually decided to hone in and focus on that group and then make sure there was a parallel session in English. Well, I hope this was helpful for you. I know there's a lot to think about, but as we think about the needs of English language learners across the country who are not engaging. instruction the way we would like to see them engaging. It's absolutely critical that they know that you as an administrator in the school building, that you as a district level administrator care about them, that you understand the needs that they have, and you're trying to get at those basic needs. Remember Maslow's hierarchy that sometimes it's hard to get students to the top level, which is self-actualization and achieving at high levels. If those basic needs of the student around food and care and having a home and having work and building that base so they can have the identity and take care of their kids. If that base is not clearly and fully in place, that can be one of the barriers that might be impeding some of the achievement that you want to see in your district. So we found that really being deliberate about the social emotional supports that are in place and how we're helping students and families access those social emotional supports have been extremely helpful. Well, I hope you got a lot out of this episode today and I'm hoping that you're able to take some of these ideas, bring them back to your school and district and figure out how you can really actively engage those English learners in your district and their families and show them how much you care about them and that they matter. Well, I hope you got a lot out of the episode and until next time, Be the change that you want to see in the world. Take care. Visit us at createsolutions.us and let us work with you to develop diverse learners and leaders so that they can become change agents in their fields of study and industry.